Hey everyone, one welcome to episode number 27 of Robot Radio. This is Greg Stanwood and I'm here along with Andrew Martin. And we both just got back from the game on September 12th. Uh, Andrew, what'd you think? Oh my gosh. I love the win. I love all the excitement, but I feel like I got two innings of baseball when I paid for nine. Uh, which two innings? Well, the last two. I mean, Jashin okay. didn't pitch badly, but it just, it was, it was dull. I mean. He didn't have a lot of control, it seemed. No. Yeah. It wasn't like, if it's going to be a low scoring game, and there's not going to be much offense, I'd at least like to see the pitchers mowing batters down, you know, racking up a million strikeouts and not walking anyone and just looking like they're in control, but. It's like Jashin was trying to let them get in, and then, you know, when he threw the ball away, he did let them get in, and. Mm-hmm. I don't know, it, it was just kind of bad. The bats weren't showing up. I mean, he pitched well enough, obviously, to only allow two runs over his, you know, short outing. But and then Rogers did a good job as well. Yeah. And and so on and so forth for the rest of the bullpen. But just up into the last two innings, we're just kind of like, oh, look, it's a base runner. Oh, look at that, the inning's over now. All right. Um, I I guess I I, I kind of felt a little bit. It, it felt a bit slow early on. I, I I definitely agree with that. I wasn't completely bored because I had amusing bullpen shenanigans to watch, but uh, in terms of the actual game, I, I guess I can see where you're coming from there. But it, it was certainly well worth it to to stick around. I was kind of afraid that it was going to go deep into extra innings, and after the, I, I really don't enjoy staying a whole long time anyway, especially when I have a bunch of stuff to do, like record this podcast. But uh, I was relieved not only that we won, but that we won in nine innings. Mm-hmm. It just yeah, well, it didn't I do feel like, like one of those days where I felt like staying for extra. <laughs> I don't like leaving games early ever. Just it just it feels wrong. But uh, we were sitting there going, "All right, whatever we do, win or lose, let's please do it in nine. Yeah, I don't know why. I guess it just it's not like we've had a million extra inning games lately or anything like that. Uh, no, I haven't even been to any either, so I really don't have anything to complain about. Like, if I had been to, like, three games this year that went into, like, the 13th inning, and I'd be like, oh, God, not again. <laughs> nope, not this year. Well, there's definitely been some, uh, we definitely had some a lot of dramatics this season, and uh, I don't know. I mean, it was definitely, it was definitely an okay game as far as just saying, oh, look who showed up. You know, the bullpen did a great job. uh Jasheen was passably good, and then Giambi came in and won the game for us. Uh, I mean, yeah, honestly, we... It's one of those things you, you can kind of sum it up in, like, three sentences. It, well, it's like Musi was saying um, during the game we were chatting about this. It's like Padres ball now. I mean, you, you look at how the game went, and, I mean, we got our two runs that, you know, the, when the inning all stayed alive because of that bloop double and stuff like that. And Right. Yeah, the, the Diamondbacks certainly helped us out. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Granted, that was one of those no-man's-land balls, but when I saw him get his glove on, I got you got to be kidding me. And then it rolled off, and everyone cheered, and right. exciting times. I mean, I'm glad we won, obviously. Definitely seen us play better games, and, you know, we've had better games this series. I mean, we took them apart piece by piece this other day, if I recall correctly. On uh, Friday, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just killed them, and so you're allowed to have games like this where, uh, you know... One part of the team bails out the other part of the team, and today the pitching definitely bailed out the bats because stupid Ian Kennedy and his effectiveness against us. Yeah, he seems to uh, the one guy who seems to hit well off him is Ian Stewart, but he's, he's obviously yeah he's still not he's still not well enough to be playing, so he's still on the DL. Um, 
we can talk about a couple of starting pitching notes here real quick. First of all, Aaron Cook got uh, a fracture of some sort when he was hit by a ball in his last start. And unlike Jason Hirsch, he didn't pitch the rest of the game. <laughs> uh, but uh, he's uh, apparently they were saying that they thought that maybe he could pitch later this season, but right now it seems like that's incredibly unlikely. And Aaron Cook has basically said that he sees his season is over. So it's going to be Jeff, Jeff Francis activated. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say it's too bad because Cook was finally starting to well, finally starting to turn it around. It's kind of a weird way to put it, seeing how he had a, he had a start and a half. But uh, yeah, and it, I mean he 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 was not he was not fantastic in either of them, but he was effective. If that makes sense, the ball stayed on the ground. Exactly, the ball stayed way on the ground. So he, I wasn't he was doing walks. He was doing what he had to do to uh, you know be Aaron Cook, which is something that we hadn't seen very much. And even when we did earlier before uh, before his toe issue. He was uh, he was getting beat up by the ground ball. He was they were getting hit hard past everybody. So I would definitely say that he was taking steps in the right direction. But at the same time, as people have been pointing out, healthy Jeff Francis plus uh, you know combination of long relievers that we've got is really not that much of a step back, if one at all. Uh, from from where Aaron Cook was, so we were concerned about uh, the fact that Rogers came into Baylot Jacine today. That uh, well, great, we've burned Rogers now. When well, we they, they still have tomorrow. They still have Diduno for tomorrow. Except, that was what I said too. We have Diduno. We have uh, we have a pile of guys who could get the job done. Just Matt now. Reynolds can pitch two innings uh, as long as the first one is short. Uh, Franklin Morales probably can too, but that's. You know, let's not go there yet. Well, if we're really talking about having to clean up six or seven innings, I mean... Right, that's obviously the uh, the worst-case scenario where Francis is out in, out in the second, you know. Mm-hmm. So, well, he should be good for about 75 pitches, uh, which makes sense. He pitched three innings in his rehab start. Uh, he's probably going to be able to hold on for five as long as they're all, you know, reasonable and there mm-hmm. aren't any, any 30 or 40-pitch innings. yeah. Uh, so we we might not even, uh, depending on, since we have the expanded rosters, we might not even need a long reliever. It, if he makes it through five, we could chain together people for one inning each at the end. But, oh, you know, that obviously depends on where we are uh, in the we game. Also gotta, we also have to bank on the fact that the uh, bats will actually arrive tomorrow and, uh, you who, know, give us a, bit, a little bit of leeway. Who so are we, we can... facing? Is it Lubke? Yeah, it's Francis and Lubke. Okay. Uh, Lubke or however pronounce it, and I yeah, think it, I, mean, we, I think it's Lubke, but I don't know. It, it is. We we can hit him, which is a great thing. It, the question is, when are we going to hit him? Because are, are we? I mean, I guess I say we can hit him, but the team can hit anyone. We've showed that we can hit every anyone. We've also shown the ability to make borderline starters or rookies that aren't really that great, but are just you know you know whatever. We have the tendency to make anyone look amazing. I don't know if that's really the case, though. I mean, it feels like this happens to every team sometimes. Yeah. I, any any MLB pitcher can have a good outing. And uh, when we last faced him, I think we hit him around early, and then he settled in, and uh, we basically didn't touch him again until later. But it's funny realizing that we haven't lost a game since then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I thought we hit 10 just so we could say we have a 10-game winning streak and and such, but... 
then again, people can well, I was about to say that people can just say, oh, it's Coors Field, but I don't know, because we won in San Diego, too. Yeah, um, I'm hoping that uh, our last few road series, there aren't very many left. We have one in Arizona, one in L.A., and then one in uh, St. Louis. Uh, hopefully, we can we can perform there. Uh, the Dodgers will be playing a B team at that point. That would be nice. Uh, you know, they, they never seem to be quite the team that loses to everybody else when they play us. And I'm not sure how much of that is them just being a particularly effective team against the Rockies, like we are against the Padres, or whether we kind of shoot ourselves in the foot, or some some combination of the two. Uh, but yes, the uh, the series at the at Dodger Stadium is the thing is the remaining series in the season that scares me the most. Uh, yeah, there's a lot. I don't know. I'm I'm more worried about the fact that we're. Well, we're having another. It looks like it looks like the beginning of another magical run, uh-huh. which is great, and I do love magical runs. But I'm also concerned that the other teams ahead of us will suddenly get their heads on straight. Well, it used to be magic. That's true. San Diego and Philadelphia, uh, not Philadelphia, Atlanta have not been doing so hot. But as I mentioned before, San Francisco has uh, has been. Uh, they were keeping pace with us. Now they're not. I mean. We're obviously the only team to have a ten-game winning streak right now, mm-hmm. but um, you know I don't. I wouldn't say that San Francisco's lost themselves like the way oh, the no. other two teams have. Uh, so I would I would say that they're probably the second scariest uh, series. But at the same time, it's m- I just have more confidence knowing this team that they'll show up against San Francisco at home than they will against LA on the road. L.A. Dodger Stadium seems to be a tough place for us to play, uh, especially um, especially facing the Dodgers. That's a stupid thing to say. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it always seems to the Dodger Stadium. You're, you're kind of right there. That that seems to be one of those you know put up or shut up kind of things where somebody steps up massively against the others. Mm-hmm. And uh, in that regard, yeah, um, Dodger Stadium could be a very scary series for us, especially as games are dwindling here. Yeah, it's uh, it's. Su- Coming up on us there at the end of the season. Um, you know, looking at the standings right now, we are one and a half games back this moment in the uh, in the division. I guess I shouldn't just say this moment because everyone's already played today. Who's important? Mm-hmm. Uh, though Atlanta uh, will be playing tonight, apparently. Yes, so it seems. Mm-hmm. So well, we should at this point with the division one and a half games from first to third. I mean, we really need to be thinking division. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I was just looking at the, uh, let me bring these back up, the postseason odds from Baseball Prospectus, and they rank us as 20% divisional champions and only 11% wildcard winners. So it's definitely an easier route in there into the uh, division, especially since we have series, we have games remaining against both the Padres and the Giants. Yeah. Whereas the Braves and Phillies and whoever is going to be winding up in that uh, that NL East spot, we are it's totally out of our hands. So well, the fact that we the good thing about it is in a way is that we control our own destiny. We control but our own destiny in the division. Yes. Exactly. That, that and that's what um and that's what bugs me about a lot of other sports where uh, you have a large complicated wild card system and. And, you know, you, you might lose a game and you're sitting there watching, now if this team wins and this team loses and this team loses, then, then we might make the playoffs. 
You know, here's a question. Well, keep going. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, though, we, we have our divisional opponents ahead of us. Our road is clear. Beat them all, and we make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of how it goes, you know? I, I, I understand what the control your own destiny is supposed to mean. It's just a, an expression I've never really understood, because we don't really control it. I mean, what we could sweep San Francisco, and then they win every single other game, regardless of what we do, and, you know... As long as we're talking within frames of reality, I mean, and when I say reality, I don't mean, uh, I mean, I know that we kind of buck reality as well by being the team that won, you know, a zillion games in a row in 2007, but um, the, the fact that our opponents are ahead of us and that games we lose to them will lose ourselves, I mean, everything we win against them will do nothing but help us, and everything we lose against them will do nothing but fed us further back. Right. And, Granted, that's true of everyone, but it just is that much more meaningful in mm-hmm. the divisional race when you're playing division opponents. Yeah, and definitely exciting times right now. Yeah, it's been fun, and I mean, I I am glad that uh, not not everybody on board uh, who was on board, but then got dejected and upset about our cold streak after the All Star game. Has uh, I'm glad that not everybody gave up on the team there. Um, well, I'll, I'll admit that I definitely was not the most upbeat out of everyone there. Well, that's perfectly fine. We we were down to about a 5% playoff chance there for a while, and that's just, you know, being a realist. I, I'd more or less cashed it in, not in the sense of this team sucks, I hate them all, whatever, forget you guys, but in the sense of we should might start wanting to have discussions about 2011 now. We can start talking about that, because... Not that we think, I mean, not that it's guaranteed 100% over, but we should start basing the reality that 2010 might be over. Mm-hmm. And now we're right back in it again. And of course, I enjoy talking about 2011, even when 2010 is still going. Oh, yeah. I'm well, talking about 2012. You know, it's all good for me. Well, it's good to have a good uh, good view of your entire organization and how they fit into the major league plans. Definitely. Uh, one area I can bring up now where we were, that at least I, I don't think anybody was, but I was not expecting, was the sudden decision to designate Taylor Buckles for assignment. Um, it kind of came out of nowhere. It did. Uh, it makes sense to an, to an extent when you start looking at the, the cr- how crowded next year's bullpen was going to be, and when you hear all these stories that the beat writers have been putting out there about how Jim Tracy was never really satisfied with Buckholz's health, and he felt that he was still recovering, and that every time uh, uh, he would need somebody like him to pitch, it was just never really an option, because uh, he felt that... You know, oh well, we can activate him, and I'll just pitch him in situations where he need, where he can go easy and uh, basically give him major league rehab. Exactly, because he, you know, he he was already behind on his rehab, and he was still on official rehab twice during the uh, uh, early part of the season, and then they had to activate him, and then of course he had the back problem. So you know, he, he just wasn't getting better, and ultimately. I mean, I, I can kind of run down how the bullpen looks right now, just in terms of convenience and, you know, roster eligibility. We had six spots with Buckholz there already filled, with the seventh one probably going to whoever was going to be the long reliever, like Esmil Rogers or somebody. Mm-hmm. And that squeezes out Matt Reynolds, it squeezes out Matt Daly, it squeezes out everybody else, and clearly they're going to want some of those guys to be contending for bullpen spots. So... Getting rid of someone like Buckholz, who had kind of lost his uh, 
lost uh, the organization's trust in him. It does kind of make his sense. Mojo. But it was still it was still a surprise to see it happen. And of course, if you missed it, he was claimed off waivers by Toronto. Well, good for him. I hope that. Uh, well, I mean, it doesn't really make a difference anyway. So he'll be a free agent next year. No, he won't. He's still oh, is, he, is he arbitration eligible? Yeah. How many years do you have left? One or two? I believe it's one. I can go check. He was... Well, my mistake for being out of the loop on that. I mean, if he decides to re-up with uh, Toronto, I mean, good for him. I hope that he can get up in the majors, but... I mean, I don't mean for this to be an I told you so or anything like that, but, I mean, Jim Tracy's concerns were exactly my concerns, too, and I hate to ever say that I was directly in line with Jim Tracy on anything, because I'm just not a fan, but uh, I'm probably going to hate every manager we ever have, just for the <laughs> record, so... Uh, um, yeah, anyways, uh, when I wa- I mean, Buckles' strength his entire career so far, I mean, at least from what we've, you know, what we saw in Houston and what we saw in his brief experience in Colorado was, you know, two years, was uh, not walking anyone. I mean, not quite Raphael Betancourt or Cliff Lee not walking anyone, but walking less than three guys per nine. That's very good. Yeah. And he'd always carry a strike at the walk ratio of like two, two and a half, somewhere in there, which is also very good. Um, definitely an effective guy you don't want to get rid of, etc. When you looked at his AAA numbers during his rehab starts and such, he was walking guys just everywhere. I mean, it was almost a one-to-one strikeout to walk there, and it just wasn't pretty. And, and you could tell that something was off, though, if he's not hitting his spots, because that's Buckholz's strength is hitting his spots. And right. that just that right there said, something ain't right, he ain't ready, you know, maybe later in September. but And then all of a sudden he's called up and said, all right, guy, trial by fire. And he burned. Yep. Um, it turns out he's actually got two years of ARB eligibility left. He will be at uh, at four years 140 uh, for 2011, which means five years 140 for 2012, which isn't enough to uh, declare. So he's got it. I mean, he's under team control with the Blue Jays for at least uh, two years if they want him. And really, I mean, we should face this realistically, yes. We lost, by, by the Blue Jays claiming him, we are losing a potentially effective guy for the next two years here. And when I say effective, I mean that, like I said, he doesn't walk a lot of guys, and his strikeout-to-walk ratio is decent. And he doesn't, he's not, like, overwhelmingly bad at giving up home runs, like, you know, Paul Bird or someone like that. Um, the, or, uh, who I, I don't know, I could pick any other uh, bad home run guy. I don't know why I'm going down this tangent here, but 2008, he had just this phenomenal season as a setup man for Brian Fuentes, and he looked real good, and he... And and he, 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 he was a bright spot in a bad season, which, oh, yeah, got, exactly. him, uh, which got him a lot of, you know, positive, uh, positive, uh, in, or uh, what's the word I'm looking for, vibes for the, uh, for the oh, fan was, base. Everybody liked him. And oh, he was he, lauded for having this phenomenal season, and you know he had an ERA that was you needed you know a microscope to measure and stuff like that. And I mean, great season, but um, when you take a look at that really low ERA, just like you should for any pitcher who has an uncharacteristically low ERA, he wasn't giving up a lot of hits on balls in play, which is good, obviously. But at some point, you know, you're going to have that level out somewhere. He, I mean, it, it was unsustainable. He uh, he had very unsustainable left-on-base percentage. Um, just a lot of things that said the balls were finding gloves more than they normally would. So, in essence, Buckles had a very good but very lucky season as well. So, 
to have him coming back and uh, you know be healthy, and this is kind of like Manny Corpus after 2007. And granted, there's a lot more that involved in Manny Corpus that we knew, and the same thing with Buckholtz. You know, he wouldn't be as effective because of his injury. But, you know, even fully healthy, there's no way he's going to repeat that season. I mean, maybe he'll prove me wrong in Toronto there, but it's the kind of thing where, like you said, he got a lot higher praise and was overvalued by the fan base because of he was, like you said, a bright spot in a poor season. But he uh, probably isn't going to repeat that kind of performance. Again, he could always prove me wrong, but he's a very um, relatively replaceable kind of guy. Right. And that's why I think that uh, people were initially suspicious of the uh, the decision, A, because it came out of nowhere, and B, because the replacement player on the roster was Paul Phillips. And everyone was thinking, wait, is Paul Phillips more important than Taylor Buckholz? And no, he's not. The move was more about getting rid of Buckholz than it was calling up Phillips. Phillips was just somebody who they felt earned a spot, and since one opened up, you know... There you yeah, go. I'll, I'll be interested to see if he even gets comes back next season, you know? Well, he was on the roster at the end of last year, too, and then he was outrighted, and he declared free agency and then re-signed with us. So if he re-signs with us, it's going to be basically that same process, I think. Yeah. I don't think they're going to keep him on the roster. He'll be the starting AAA catcher next year, or... You know, at least platoon partner. Well, I think I Rosario will be the starting AAA catcher. Or AAA, more. I, I, I figured they'd keep him in double A next season, at least, at least until he more or less pushes. Says, "Hey, I'm ready for AAA. Call me, send me up right now." Interesting. I had kind of assumed that he would be headed that direction, but I guess with the injury, it's possible they keep him back. But I think if he had played a full season, it would be a guarantee that he. But he didn't play. A, yeah, you're right. If he played a full season at the level he was playing, he at, played good seventy percent of the season. Still I, though. He did not play the full season, which, I, and I'm not trying to say that, you know, oh, you know, oh, look at you, you've got young technicality here. No, I mean, he was hurt. Mm-hmm. It's the kind of thing where you want to put him into a level where he has had success to, to gauge start, his yeah. past success against where he is now. Is he fully healthy? As, especially, right, especially since, I, I definitely see where you're going, because there's a chance that he's, uh, he's, he, he's going to start an extended spring training for about, two or three weeks, apparently, and then they're going to try to dip him in there. But what I was thinking they'd do is put him, you know, somewhere down there for a while, for a short while, and then with the ultimate goal of putting him with the Sky Sox. But, you know, maybe not. Well, with a guy like him, there's no reason to rush. No, I mean, absolutely not. As poorly as Ionette has been playing this season, and even for as poorly as he's been playing, I mean... I don't know. I mean, this is where I get into, you know, his on-base percentage is still good and his slugging is still good. But, I mean, at some point that batting average has got to give. And I'm the biggest INS supporter around, and he's just not cutting it. He really isn't. And he's not earning himself any extra playing time. I mean, even well, the thing is, even when he did earn himself the playing time, Miguel Olivo was still riding the, uh, you know, good vibrations from the first half. And I don't hate him for that or anything like that. It's not his fault. I have nothing against Miguel Olivo. I just would have liked to see us play the hotter hand at the time. Mm-hmm. But, alas, we didn't. What are you going to do? Um, if, if we assume the team hangs on to Ionetta and sees if he can really, you know, do it again, uh, or not do it again, but try to at least rethink about 2008 numbers again, mm-hmm. he'll be, uh, we're not going to have any need for Rosario for at least a year or so. So Rosario can yeah. kind of nurse his way through the system, make sure he's adapting to double A, because, I mean, now... Not to try to say that single A isn't tough competition at any level, but double A and triple A is where you start to see 
oh, hey, you could get called up to the majors now. So, uh, in his case, you know, let's make sure he can adapt to the higher levels now. Because, I mean, it's a big deal to be able to hit well at double-A and continue to hit well at double-A and then be able to hit well at triple-A. And um, especially in triple-A, I mean, I think we should make sure he goes to triple-A as well. Just to maybe start, I mean, because like I've mentioned, we, he's not going to come up and start right away. He'll be the backup, and I'd rather have him being the starter in whatever minor league level he is at, and facing this borderline major league baseball pitching, and you know, catching borderline major league baseball pitchers, and uh, see how he goes. And the same thing kind of goes for McHenry. Now, if we do move Iannetta, everything kind of kind of gets jumbled up again because McHenry will most likely be Alivo's backup, mm-hmm. and then. Um, We'll probably have Phillips starting being the starter in AAA, and then we can evaluate after extended spring training whether Rosario is ready to come up at AAA or he needs to stay in AA. Because wherever he goes, he needs to be the starter. Mm-hmm. I mean, and even if they do a 1-1-A kind of catching situation, he needs to be the one. Right. We, he needs to be getting the majority of at-bats just to make sure this kid is ready. Yeah, so that's, kind of the, that's kind of been the, the Jordan Pacheco treatment. He's not been catching every day, but when he's not catching, he's he's the DH. Yeah, he's basically in every game in some sense. So, of course, the those uh, the DH isn't used as often in AAA. I really don't understand completely how it works in AAA uh, because it seems somewhat random. I was thinking that maybe it had to do with whose affiliate it was, but sometimes we use the DH in home games. It might be you have to agree to it beforehand or something like that. I don't. Well, yeah, because when I went down to the. Uh I was at a Sky Fox game a couple weeks ago, um, if you saw any of my tweets about it. I did. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I know you did. You responded to them. Um, but when we were down there, they were playing the Bees, uh, who are the Angels affiliate, I believe. Yeah, the Angels affiliate. Uh-huh. And uh, they played at the DH in security service field, and I found that odd. And I guess it must be because there was an American League affiliate involved there. So, you know, whatever. I, I, th- I think I've seen us do it with NL affiliates, too. I can't confirm that, but it's always seemed a little bit like it might be one of those spring training type things where you can agree to use a DH in the game or something like that. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll have to look into that. Now, if we have any uh, people who are still listening, um, <laughs> feel free to chime in and re- if you have any insight on this. This is something I'd love to know, whether the managers come up, shake hands, and say, hey, we kind of feel like running a DH today. that cool with you? Yeah, that's cool. I mean, like the, for example, that started with Greg Smith. They really don't care if Greg Smith knows how to lay down a sacrifice bunt. Just play a DH. We don't care. We're trying to get this guy up to some sort of major league speed again, and... Uh, yeah, so that kind of made sense that night, but some nights I guess maybe they want to say, hey, kid, you're going to be pitching to National League Park again soon. Do you know what you're doing behind the plate or, you know, at the plate if you're batting? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's seen for the most part that the pitchers hit in AAA but don't hit lower than that uh, usually. Double A they do sometimes. I think in A-plus and lower they don't hit at all, um, if I recall. Just from looking at box scores, it doesn't seem like they – even worry about throwing the pitchers to bat at that point, which makes sense. You know, it's 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 not the the priority for for a developing pitcher. Uh, I wonder if they have them even do any sort of batting activities down there. I think I would hope they do, just like to learn how to bunt, so that when you show up in Double A and you have to do it, they don't have to teach you then and thus distract you from pitching. But in terms of actual game situations, uh. I don't think it's uh I I think it makes sense that they don't uh get them started on that right away. 
Yeah, I mean, I wonder how many pitchers come. I mean, some pitchers just have the natural batting talent. Some players are just better at everything than other players are. I mean, Zambrano, Hampton, uh, Micah Owings, guys like that. You know, they can, they, they can hit well for guys who are pitchers. And then you get guys like Rogers who are converted other position players. So it's like, hell yeah, we're going to hit you. So I'm wondering if it, too, just has to do with the pitchers on the mound. Like, hey, we got a hitting pitcher and it's our field. We're, we're not going to use the DH tonight. you got a bunt. We're going to have our guy swing away. Ha, ha, ha. But then if it's like, <laughs> oh, wait, look, we have this Japanese import who's never batted before. Uh, let's use a DH tonight, guys. How's that? <laughs> yeah, DH. Rebel. Arumph. DH. I wonder why you haven't been hired as a minor league manager yet. You have the uh you have the personality. You have the uh the vocal uh tendencies. <laughs> yes, and grumbling. Grumbling angrily. You could also be a minor league umpire, I guess. Does Stu Cole say harumph a lot? I don't know. I've ne- I've seen a picture of Stu Cole one time ever. The the most I've ever seen of a, one of our minor league managers is Joe Mikulik with his. And, we, uh, and if you haven't seen him yet, you haven't been paying good enough. No. Best exposure ever. Yeah, he was a ten minute celebrity for that, and uh, now I'm sure nobody knows who he is. Except, I know he is. Oh well, we we are well, also nerds, so. Uh, yeah, we we follow his organization. Yeah. Um. No, it's interesting actually. Triple A. Uh, you mentioned I could be a good minor league umpire there. And if you have never been to a triple-A game and you live in the Denver area, take the time next season, drive down to the Springs. You can sit directly behind home plate for 15 bucks. Just for comparison, 15 bucks at face value without any promotions or anything will get you right field bleachers. And by bleachers, I mean the, up, the, the, the upper the, box. The seat. third deck, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you cannot get – I mean, for 20 bucks, we'll get you a uh, – down first level in the corners or third tier directly above home plate. And that's about as good as it gave me. That, that's what it is. So 15 bucks to directly behind home plate. They have a foot long corn dog there, which is just kind of awesome by itself right there. Um, and if you can appreciate the, just the differences between the two parks, because if you go to Coors Field, yes, everything, there's a lot of advertisements and things are sponsored by these guys and whatever, but it's not quite as in your face as it is everywhere else. In minor league ballparks, they live, breathe, eat, and die those endorsements. Yep. They, they need those endorsements to keep their park running. So, for example, every time there's a strikeout, there's an ad for uh, a cell phone service. Every time, at one point, uh, somebody hit a foul ball that went back over the press box and left the park in the wrong direction. And then they played this glass breaking sound over the, the PA, and we were laughing because we'd just been talking about all the advertisements, and we laughed at the glass breaking sound. And then we laughed even harder when they said, "Is your glass broken? Call Blah yeah. Blah's glass shop." And oh, it just killed me. And everything, like everything, was an in-your-face, undeniable advertisement. Yeah. Not just these you... are the Coca-Cola front-row seats. You'd be like, "These are the Coca-Cola front-row seats. Drink Coca-Cola because Coca-Cola is sponsoring these seats. Coca-Cola, 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 and so on and so forth." You you look at the regular TV broadcast of a Rockies game, and you you know, there's like the player of the game that's brought to you by this. And the uh, well, hang on, I'm 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 leading up to the point that I just I understand what you're saying is that uh, in uh, for a minor league situation, you have every single action practically sponsored by a company. Oh yeah, (laughs) ball two (laughs) brought to you. Yeah, but uh, you have the Comcast call to the pen. You have uh, if you listen on the radio. And that was the uh, that was the bottom of the fifth inning. If you're at the bottom of your fifth, go to this liquor store or um, 
uh, the the 27th out of the game, not 27th out. What is it? The ninth? I don't know. They they do another I don't one. I pay attention to these. <laughs> so. so they have they have one of like the ninth out of the game, and because it's the ninth out, here's an endorsement, and it, it, the radio is a bit worse about it than TV is, because TV it kind of blends in, because you're so used to seeing TV advertisements everywhere that you don't even really think about it. We just have like, hey, here's a here's a question of the game on an AT and T phone with AT and T logo. We don't think about it as much because you're not looking at that, but when you're hearing it, it's undeniable. They're like, hey, here's an endorsement, and mm-hmm. it's. If you can get past that, AAA is great fun. And the reason I brought up the AAA thing and is the endorsements are hilarious because they're so shamelessly blatant about every endorsement out there. But um, they pull a lot more gags. And I uh, mentioned this on Twitter, too. Uh, the third baseman for the Salt Lake Bees, uh, Kevin Franson, um, he was being harassed by one of the Sky Sox mascots, this flamboyant bird. And uh, when the mascot turned around, Franson kicked it in the butt, which is pretty funny. And so the bird goes and starts messing with him some more, and then starts dancing. So eventually he gets, so then Franson drops his glove at third and starts dancing with the bird. And then they dance some more. When Franson's off facing the rest of the field from third base, the bird runs behind him, grabs his glove, jumps on a golf cart, drives to the outfield fence, and throws his glove over the fence. Huh. And Franson just kind of watched him go the entire way. Because what are you going to do, chase down a golf cart and look like a moron? I mean, you look like a moron enough as it is. Don't make it any worse, guy. So then the ball boy had to go and fetch another glove for him, but, uh... Stuff like that. Like, they, they brought in some guy who was posing as an umpire and, you know, being all stoic and being an umpire and watching the warm ups and stuff. And then events are sort of dancing with the bird. And then you realize about three seconds into the dance that it's totally choreographed and, and everyone cheers as he leaves. And then the real umpire comes back on the field. Stunts like that. And I'm glad that everyone plays along on because it makes it that much more entertaining. Yeah, that would be uh, embarrassing if somebody like Kevin Franson got really mad. <laughs> At the bird, oh, yeah. and like actually started beating it up. That oh yeah, be, no, my league mascots are designed to be fun antagonists, and it works great, just great. I I hate the concept of mascots in general. Uh, I've never been a fan, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm not a huge mascot fan either. But I mean, when you're used to things being done at a certain level in the majors, to see it done differently in the minors is just hilarious. You feel like you're in Bizarro World or something. Mm-hmm. Where's all the pomp and circumstance of the major leagues and the hallowed glory of major league baseball and history and meh. These minor league teams have just as much history, but they're also kind of over themselves. I like that description. They uh, they they don't have any pretensions. They're yeah. just they're just baseball players. And the minor leagues, they gotta put butts in the seats. They don't have the gigantic TV deal to keep them afloat, even if uh. Even if the, the, the stadium's not full, they gotta put butts in the seats. And the Sky Sox actually sent attendance records this year, so good for them. Um, yeah, it, it's. I know I'm just sitting here endorsing the Sky Sox, but go see them. If you live in a different state, go see your local minor league affiliate because it's totally worth the watch. Even if you don't even know the players in the team, do a little bit of research before you go so you know who you're looking at and know what you're looking for. And even if you just want to take in a baseball game, just go catch a minor league game. If you can't afford the major leagues or there's not a major league club near you, worth the time, worth the money, and it's baseball. One thing, this is somewhat off topic, but it's also somewhat on topic. I uh, might uh, be going to grad school in Vancouver. That's still a ways off, but, you know, Vancouver's baseball team is in the... uh, uh, the same league as the, as the Tri City team. Oh, really? So I would be able to watch uh minor league uh Tri City games. Well, that's pretty cool. There. How close? Do you know how close to, is Tacoma? Um, 
north or south of Seattle, do you know? Oh, I don't know that area well at all, so... Okay, well, I'm just wondering, because the Tacoma Rainiers are the Mariners minor league affiliate, mm-hmm. and uh, that's good baseball right there. They're in the playoffs right now. Let's see. Get directions. Google Maps. Tacoma to Vancouver. And I'm sure anyone who might be listening still is saying, oh, my gosh, they're actually looking this up. Um, we, we, we always have to look up one obscure thing. Like, we, we, we had to look up some strange things. We had to look up the pronunciation of uh, of one word, but I don't remember which one it is now. I'm Primer. Primer. That's Primer, right. that's right. <laughs> is it in Vancouver, B.C. or Vancouver, Washington? Um, the team, I'm not sure. It might be Vancouver, no, no. Washington. I'm going to Vancouver, British Columbia, but either way, I'll be able to go. Okay, no, that's a four-hour drive to get down to Tacoma. And Tacoma is just south of Seattle. So, yeah, definitely not worth it to go see the Rainiers. Ooh, Bellingham's up there, though. Isn't that a baseball team in Bellingham? I'd... Bellingham baseball. We're going to find out. Uh, Bellingham youth baseball. Ooh, the Bellingham Bells. Where are the Bellingham Bells? Ooh, it's indie ball. Interesting. Oh, that's so... We'll go, I would totally go watch indie ball. Yeah, and baseball is great no matter where you look at it. I, I don't care what anyone says. I don't think I've ever watched an independent game. I'm sure it's just the same thing as any other minor league. It's just, uh, you know... Um, All the players... Oh, who- no, no, they're not, they're not indies. I misspoke. They're a collegiate summer baseball team in the West Coast League. The team is owned and operated by Brett Sports Entertainment, which includes Major League Baseball Hall of Famer George Brett and Brett Sports Managing Partner Bobby Brett. Bellingham Bells stride by their fans, team family-friendly. College baseball players from some of the best collegiate programs, locally, regionally, and nationally. In recent years, the Bells have produced a number of major league products, including Jeff Francis of the 2007 National League Championship Colorado Rockies. Ta-da! And then also Whatcom County natives Ty Tobenheim and Kevin Richardson of the Jays and Rangers, respectively. Wow, that's pretty cool. I did not know that. Uh, the Vancouver team is in Vancouver, British Columbia, so uh, they're the Oakland uh, a, a short affiliate. Okay. And, and they're named the Canadians. Lame. <laughs> well, considering how American of a sport it is, at least in its origins, uh, yeah, makes sense. They've, they've got it. I, I was... Go ahead. No, I was just going to – you should continue your point. Your point is more on topic. I was just going to say, uh, they have the uh, second largest stadium in Vancouver of any uh, minor league affiliate at that level with uh, oh, really? 6,500 seats. That's a pretty big minor league stadium right there. Yeah, all, most of the others have like 3,000. Yeah, know? especially for short season. I mean, mm-hmm. no, I was just going to mention that when I, when I was still on my big job hunt and I got out of college, I everywhere I looked, I needed to make sure there's a baseball team nearby that I could go watch because... If I can't go watch a baseball team, I might just go insane. My entire time in L.A., I only went to, like, two or three Dodgers games. Uh, I didn't uh, really mind that much because I was, you know, I was able to watch the Rockies pretty much regularly. So That's a security blanket thing for me. You know, I don't necessarily have to go to the park. Just as long as I know that there's a team nearby, so that if, should I get the urge to go have a hot dog, a beer, and sit in a warm summer evening and watch the baseball team play, I could do it with that, you know, feasibly. Yeah. I'm almost jealous. My buddy Brian uh, lives in Tulsa. And uh-huh. he can go watch the drillers whenever he wants. And I don't think he does very often, depressingly enough. But, you know, go drillers. You know, I can actually use this. I, if we, for some reason, I can't imagine anybody in Modesto 
listens to this podcast. But if you do, join Purple Row and scout for us with the nuts because we have people who get to see Sky Sox games, Drillers games, Ghost games regularly, but nobody's in Modesto, and we never get to hear any stories from there. Did you say the tourists? Uh, yes, we, we do have... Uh, well, plenty, I just we do have city. exposure with Asheville. I just, I, well, I, I was counting down, you know, Sky Sox, Drillers. Yeah. Ah, the nuts, yes. Um, yeah, because we have, uh, well, you mentioned the, you mentioned the ghost too, but, uh, ghosts, Silver yes. Blood, if you, uh, are familiar with Purple Row, is in Asheville as well, so. We've got, we've got robots in just about every city except Modesto. And you I guess. just build a robot and send it to Modesto. <laughs> a, a robot robot? Yes, exactly. A, a scouting robot. Mm-hmm. That w- that will create predetermined posts with with fill in the blank names. <laughs> what do you say? What do you say we find a job for SD Cat and make her go to Modesto? Um, why SD Cat? Because she needs a job. I need a job. Well, why don't we get you a job and send you to Modesto then? Well, it's Modesto. I don't want to go to freaking Modesto. I'll, no, I'll, Modesto? I'll, it's California. I'm done with California. California's in my past. <laughs> I am, I am looking towards, towards Canada now. Uh, I, I will be the, the occasional commentator on the Tri-City Dust Devils if I go to, to, if I go to Vancouver. I don't know yet if I'm going to or not, but, um, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's nice to have another team in Canada. I kind of wish that baseball had more international teams. Are you kidding me? No. I mean, how many international... There's leagues in almost, like... I don't know if you watch much of the World Baseball Classic. I can't hey, remember if you said you had or not. I, I have. I, it's, not the, it's not a desire to have the game of baseball played. It is a desire to expand play, uh, uh, like, internationally where we would be playing in more places than just oh, U.S. Oh, City, oh. U.S. City, U.S. City, oh, my oh, bad. Toronto. I yeah. thought you meant that other countries don't have leagues. I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, like, the Australians have, like, I think it's, like, double, I think that's been compared to, like, double-A baseball. The Italians are playing about A-ball. Um, the Dutch are playing A-ball, yep. maybe double-A ball. Uh, and It's honk-ball in, in the Netherlands, if you didn't know. Not to, ball. not to mention the Japanese and uh, Latin leagues as well. Which the Japanese, are, the Koreans are pretty excellent as well. Um, the Chinese are coming along well enough. The Taiwanese are as well. Um, yeah, I certainly was not trying to apply that. It was just that, uh, you know, there's... Uh, I, I felt a little bit of a disappointment when, like, Montreal left because it was yeah. just... Oh, now it's just 29 MLB teams in the United States and Toronto. So... I, I think it'd be interesting. There, there's, there was all that buzz of a couple of years ago about how they were looking into trying to create a workable system where Major League Baseball would be made up of four leagues. There'd be two, two North American leagues, uh, a Latin league, and an Asian league. And That'd be interesting. The travel would just be abs- – you'd have to spend a month in Japan at a time to make any kind of travel, you know, equitable. Well, I, I would assume that if they were to do something like that, you know, it would still be considered interleague play to do that, and it would mm-hmm. 
not held all the time. So can like, we make like a unique rule for the other two leagues as well? So, like the National League plays, you know, baseball by the, you know the, the the cut and dry rules, and the American League is out of the DH rule. Could we add like a jetpack rule to one of the other leagues, and you know, uh, a sinkhole league to, rule to one of the other leagues? Or that would that would so, ha- that would that would have to be Japan. I mean, I could so totally see like uh, a steampunk style uh, baseball game. Whatever, they'll all be being robots, dude. That'd be awesome. Robot baseball. That would be predictable, though. The oh, uh, yeah. the the <laughs> cleanup hitter nine thousand. Yeah, know? exactly. It's just whichever team has the best model. Yeah, it's just this like thing on a swivel with a bat in it. <laughs> there's there's a uh, a programmer who is really the athlete here because he has to program the robot based he upon the. He his mind. It, Based upon what what the opposing pitching robot is throwing, yeah, <laughs> this would be awful. Yeah, I hey, think no, it's I, going I like to throw a slider. <laughs> so, so back on the topic there, because this was actually interesting talking about international baseball. Yeah. Here. So it, was it your idea to have four leagues, or were you just reading this? No, somewhere? I was. I people were uh, actual people in Major League Baseball were trying to make this petition to make this happen over a ten year development plan. Where in like the 2020s, we would have four leagues in Major League Baseball, uh, which would, uh, you know, probably not play each other regularly. Maybe like, maybe you would get to go to either the Asian League or the Latin League once a year and play like six games or something like that. See, my thought is rather than making it a four, um, a four league league or, you know, sport or whatever, however you want to phrase that, I'm almost of the opinion we should start slowly annexing other uh, um, other leagues, or not, not necessarily other leagues, but other cities, or like planting a team there, or whatever, or something along those lines. Not literally in this con- in the sense of conquest, but more in the sense of, hey, let's incorporate them. The problem is like the Mexican leagues though are about triple A level right now. The Japanese are quadruple A, and uh, well, the majors are the majors, and then the Pirates are quadruple A. So maybe they should be said to the Japanese leagues. Yes, maybe, there's, maybe there's the, the one American team in the Japanese league. Well, I mean, something's going to happen, have to happen with baseball realignment sometime here because, I mean, once the economy picks up, and this is assuming the economy picks up, and you know, the politics, anyways, uh, they, basically it would be in poor form of baseball to try to expand despite their revenue streams until the economy picks up. Mm-hmm. And so um, that being said... Uh, it's kind of tough to know um, how a reorganization should happen until we kind of figure out what they want to do. Do we want to add two more teams and say, I'm just throwing these number names out there, but like Indianapolis and say either Columbus or Charlotte or Vegas or something like that, um, throwing, throwing two more teams in there, adding them to the American League, and then who knows, maybe even making more of an integrated schedule rather than, you know, the month and a half interleague gimmick. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've done all sorts of like amateur experiments on uh, on scheduling, and there's some interesting things you can come up with. I've always been a huge fan of interleague play. I don't like oh, yeah. I don't really like the league division very much. I understand why it was there, and I, I mean I don't like the divisional breakdowns either. However, I absolutely understand that it is a lot more cost effective to make forty percent of your games against people close to you. Yeah. Um, which may, which sucks for team for sucks for Seattle 
and Colorado more than just about everyone because we're pretty much the furthest teams out. Yeah, we're kind of the the frontier teams. We exactly. don't have any uh, uh, anyone in a, like a 500 mile radius. Yeah, pretty much. It's horrifying. Um, but no, you're the the, um, the geographical aspect does kind of make sense. And maybe they can. I mean, if, depending on where they expand to. You know, maybe they can figure out a way to put some of these frontier teams in a division together, or it'll be interesting to see how they realign if they just go straight up NFL and do a north, south, east, west, or if they, you know, have like a... Well, as as I've always said, I think they would do something similar to that, except there wouldn't be north, south, east, west. I don't think they're ever going to align it where you have a Florida team on the east coast playing, you know, six six series a year with like, I don't know, San Diego because yeah, they're on complete different sides of the thing. So what they would do, if they were ever to divide it into, like, okay, let's say they add two teams to the AL, it's 32 teams now, divide it into 16 teams per league, four teams and four divisions, it would probably be, like, Pacific, West, Midwest, and East. Which would make sense. And, yeah. and, and what I also was just thinking before that is, rather than even giving them names like that, I don't see how baseball would get away with not giving it like historical names, like the Matthewson Division or the or the Ruth Division or the Gehrig Division or just whatever, you know. Putting in a you know putting in big names like you know Stan the Man, Musial, and and stuff like that, you know, get, get adding history to it. I would be really interested to see how baseball would handle a realignment and seeing how creative they would be about it. Because if any sport can pull off sentimental create creativity. It's it's Major League Baseball, and then immediately followed by the NHL. Those are two the two sports that pride their history more than just about anything else in the in the sport. Hmm. I mean, just think about that. I mean, I'm not trying. To I don't. Delve I don't know hockey. anything about hockey, so I. Well, no, hockey has been played effectively the same way forever. I mean, yes, they've made minor adjustments, and and actually in the recent years, major adjustments in the sense of a. Adding the uh, the goalie zone behind the net that he can play the puck in and uh, taking away two line passing, but I mean the, the thought process is the only stuff that's really changed has been like equipment and how the players you know or how athletes are built. Like for up until the lockout, goalie pads just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and uh, and, then, and then now they've you know demanded they cut back down. In baseball, uh, I mean the bats were the the wood in the bats has been changed, the the leather in the mitts has been changed, synthetic rubbers, you know, way the ways your cleats are constructed. There's all sorts of stuff like that. But baseball's still been baseball. And yes, they've obviously added rules like, you know, now they've added instant replay review on home runs and uh there's other things that have gone into effect as well. I mean they like the designated hitter for example, but the the, the point is is that you can look at Lou Gehrig's nineteen twenty four season or whatever and or whatever year we're talking about here and say, Oh wow, look at those numbers. Now compare him to, you know, Prince Fielder, oh wow, Lou Gehrig kicks the crap out of him and, and there's ways we can make those adjustments. Whereas in the NHL it's the same kind of thing. Look at Maurice Richard, look how good he was. Oh here's no Gretzky but you know, definitely so good and yeah, yeah, yeah. You can, you, you can, because the game has stayed relatively the same since pretty much its organization, you can make these comparisons, and you have to obviously apply your caveats, like, oh, well, they didn't have the technology, or they didn't have the this and that and the other thing, but it's still the same game, whereas um, basketball and football have a, I mean, just because of the, the evolution of their sports, have changed so drastically, like, the, I mean, the, the invention of the forward pass and, and, you know the the various ways basketball has transformed in the in the defensive formations and and you know just whatever the style of play from going to a 
you know, straight pass and shoot to having a man constantly defending your net all the way, you know, to five men on each, each running back and forth each side. The game is the, the way the game is played has drastically changed, and that's fine. It's just the evolution of the sport. But with hockey and baseball, both very, very history driven because you can look all the way back and say, "Oh, wow, that's how it was," and it hasn't changed that much in good ways. That's mm-hmm. why I like hockey and baseball because I'm, I'm kind of a nut for those sort of things. Yeah, I have to admit I don't understand a thing about what you said about hockey, but I'm sure <laughs> it I'm sure it resonates with our listeners. I hope so. I hope any of you know anything about hockey because it's about avalanche season, and uh, it's not avalanche season until the Rockies are officially 100% done, and then it's avalanche season, but you see my point. At at least you have your priorities. Yes, exactly. Uh, Let's take a... Go ahead. I just want to say something about how it drives me absolutely nuts to see uh, Broncos jerseys in Coors Field. I didn't see a single one. I saw plenty. Of I'm, the sh- I'm sure they were there. I, I may have been repressing them on purpose, <laughs> but uh, standing by the pen, I didn't see any. I saw a lot of people talking about the game, but I did not see any uh, anything else. It wasn't too bad. I mean, it wasn't like it was a sea of orange or anything like that, but... Uh, I don't know, you know, a lot of people who have uh, paid attention to me know how touchy-feely, or not touchy-feely, but how touchy I get about uh, about the Broncos versus the Rockies. Yeah. Well, and for me, football versus uh, baseball in general, I am really not a sporty human being. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, before we sign off here, let's take a quick look at next week's schedule. Uh, we have three games at home wrapping up this homestand against the Padres, Starting Monday, going through Wednesday. Thursday is a day off, and we have uh, the uh, LA series of Doom this weekend. Next weekend, it could be of Doom. It could be the, the the LA series of ultimate success as well. It could. It could be a very important series where the team proves to itself that it can take on a team that it's uncomfortable taking on in a in an arena that it is uncomfortable playing in. That would be. Very powerful statement. Of course, everyone at, at this point, everyone is expecting us to crash once we go on the road again. Uh, hey, that's a song title, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, hey, it looks like somebody has a new rock pile title for Friday. No, I only use movies and TV shows. Oh, fair enough. Um, so, I'm definitely nervous about about the weekend series, but hey... Bring it on, right? Um, it's weird looking. We only have seven more series total. Three on the road, three at home. I so, hate these moments when you realize how short the baseball season is, you know. Even though it's incredibly long. Yeah, when you get to the end, they're like, oh, it's almost over. I've taken so much of it for granted. We have this long, cold winter with only football to watch. And, and, hockey. Hockey. and for me, the season lasts all year. Because I'm following the off-season stuff too. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, that's where we stand right now. It's been a good couple weeks. We've, uh, you know, won ten in a row, and that's certainly a good start on pounding our way towards uh, that ninety-two-ish win mark that we need. Anything else? Um, really, I think we got about everything covered. All right. Well, in that case. On uh, on behalf of myself and Andrew, we'll see you next week.